years back, I had the joy and the privilege of, of going to a, a Bible conference. And the good thing about going to Bible conferences is you get to uh, be introduced some, to some really good biblical sound doctrinal uh, teaching, some marvelous, marvelous Bible teaching. Uh, you get to make new friends. You get to meet up with, with old friends uh, alike. And you never really know what all is going to happen when you go to uh, a, a Bible conference. Uh, for instance, uh, several years back, I was one of the, the speakers at a Bible conference. And God is so good about humbling you. God is so good about putting you in your place. Aren't you glad of that? And just to be honest and kind of confess, I was feeling a little bit proud of that. Oh, I'm going to be one of the keynote speakers and strutting, you know, around the, the place down in Branson and, and thinking, you know, I've got this. And I had someone come up to me and they just said, oh, Pastor Rick. We are so glad that you are on the, uh, you're one of the speakers. And I thought, well, yeah, uh, we're just delighted that you're one of the speakers. Because those smart guys really make me nervous. This is no lie. Those smart guys really make me nervous. And with you preaching, I'm going to be able to sit and relax and enjoy the message. And I said, thanks, I think. See, God is so faithful in making sure that, that he humbles us, and I appreciate that. But the other thing that I learned at this speaking, at this conference, was a principle that I, that I learned from, from Ben Anderson, who's director of TCM. And it has to do with a formula for growing as a believer in Christ. There are three words that help us to grow in Christ, to mature in, in Christ, where as believers we go from the milk of the Word to the meat of the Word. And that should be the desire of each and every one of us, to go from, from being young babes in Christ to growing and being soldiers of the cross and desiring to serve, to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And there were three things that Ben introduced at this, uh, at this Bible conference. And there are three action verbs. And these three action verbs, when, when you pull them together, they basically um, boil down what the, the Christian, the believer's uh, uh, discipline should be in, in serving God and, and working for the Lord and living our lives for His glory. These, these three words. And he... Uh, Boil them down in order for a, a believer to have a well-rounded, uh, balanced walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can't neglect either one of these three words in your walk. And the first word was knowing. Knowing. And that has to do with the knowledge of God's Word. Knowing what God's Word teaches. Understanding sound doctrine, understanding the things that God has directed us and told us to do, understanding that it's from the Word of God that God reveals Himself. God reveals Himself to us in two ways, right? Through the written Word, 
which we believe, we stand on, and through the living word, the Lord Jesus Christ. You want to know God the Father, you must know the living word, that's Christ. You must know the written word. So knowing the Word of God is absolutely imperative in our walk with Christ and our growing in Him. The second action verb was doing. Doing. And that has to do with our Christian service. Being ambassadors for Christ, desiring to serve the Lord, it has to do with our service uh, to Him. Uh, understanding that we've been called to be his ambassador, the ministers of the word of reconciliation. The third action verb was being. And that has to do with our personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, where the other two have to do with uh, our, our service and ministry. Well, actually, the third one has to do with ministry because let me tell you something. If if you're not right with God, the rest of those other two are going to really suffer. But the third is being. It has to do with our personal relationship with, with, the, uh, with the Lord Jesus Christ. And in order for us as believers to get that full measure of understanding of who we are in Christ, then we need to understand what, it, what the knowing is, the doing is, and the being is of our Christian, Christian walk. Most churches, most churches are really good about focusing on one of those and maybe a little bit on another, but very seldom all three. And what I believe that God is leading us to do is, or, is, is in order to serve him, in order to be that, that church that's a lighthouse that reaches out to a world that desperately needs to hear the gospel, is to have all three of those in the proper balance where we are knowing the Word of God, that we are doing the will of God, and that we are where Christ would have us to be individually with that personal relationship with Him. Most of the grace churches... I'm happy to say, has the knowing part down. Grace churches seem to know the Word of God. And here at St. Louis Bible Fellowship, we don't apologize for standing on this book. We understand that this is where we get our standard of living. This is where we get our morality. We get our ethics. Apart from this, you know, it can be whatever man wants to dream up and come up with and how dangerous that can be. But what we understand is in order to, to function, in order to serve God properly, you have to know God's Word. And here at Bible Fellowship, we stress as believers that we must do exactly what 2 Timothy 2.15 tells us to do. To study to show thyself approved unto God, workmen that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Each and every one of us has that responsibility. And I hope to goodness you don't say, yeah, but that's the pastor's job. Because it's not just the pastor's job. Every single born, uh, person who's been made a new creation in Christ needs to understand that you have that responsibility. Steady to show thyself approved unto God. Your nose in the book knowing what God's purpose and will for your life is only comes 
when you know what God's Word tells you, what God's Word says. 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us that all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God, means it's God-breathed, and it's profitable. Profitable means what? It's good for you. It's good for you. Studying God's Word is good for you. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. How many of you need to understand doctrine? Every one of us. How many of you need reproof? We all need reproof. Correction and instruction in righteousness. Where do we get that if it's not from God's Word? We wonder sometimes how easy it is for our adversary to just come along and whisk us away and to move us off of that, that, that point of where we are praising God and serving God and excited about God. And all of a sudden we find ourselves down in the dumps. We find ourselves having a difficult time. And so often it's because when the enemy comes against us, not having the Word of God is, and the full armor of God on causes us to, to be diminished in our walk with, with the Lord Jesus Christ. It has nothing to do with our salvation. We're saved. We, we are eternally secure in Christ. But I guarantee you, by neglecting the Word of God, a Christian is going to be anemic. He is going to be uh, weak and not able to stand against the cunning devices of the enemy. That's just a fact. And so what God calls us to do is to know His Word, not neglect the study of God's Word. See, unfortunately today, most believers are more familiar with the TV guide than they are with the Word of God. I mean, does TV guide still exist? I'm not even sure it still exists, but most people are more familiar with uh, Netflix and them and all you know, flipping through the, the channels than they are with what God's Word teaches us and how we are to, to serve. Colossians 2. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. Verse 7. Here, believer, as far as the knowing part of God's expectations for you, this is what God's Word tells us that we are to be rooted and built up in Him. Yeah, that's what I want for my preacher. That's what I want for the elders. That's what I want for the deacons. I want to make sure the piano player and the organist and the song leader, they are rooted and built up in Him. But folks, that doesn't just apply to the leaders of the congregation. It applies to each and every one of us that we are to be rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith as you have been taught abiding therein with thanksgiving. Now here, here's a point. If I'm not teaching you as, as you have been taught, if I'm not teaching you properly, you need to come to me and tell me. You need to let me know. You need to let the elders know. You need to let the deacons know. You need to let the leaders know that there's something that's lacking in your things that you're needing to know. Because we are responsible. The elders are responsible. The pastor's responsible. But guess who else is responsible for studying the Word of God? 
you are. You're just as responsible as we are. More importantly, the Holy Spirit, and this is the good thing about studying God's Word. Here's something I can guarantee you. When you open the pages to this book, when you open the pages to this book, it is alive, it is powerful, it is sharper than any two-edged sword, and I guarantee you the Holy Spirit is going to move and work through the words on this book. in this book. It's, you're not just reading a Shakespeare play. You're not reading fantasy. You are reading God's words, God's message to you. And when you open the pages to this book, expect the Holy Spirit to do what He does. And that is to teach and to guide and to lead you in your study. But what does that mean you have to do? You've got to open it up. You've got to open it up. In order to be that believer, in order to be that child of God that you des- I really believe you desire to be because the Holy Spirit is in your life drawing you and, 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 and conforming you to the image of His Son. And all part of that is going to be that desire to know God's Word. Know God's word. As a matter of fact, Colossians uh, 3, verse 16. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. That's what God's word tells us. To let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So, if the word of Christ is going to dwell in you richly... It's not going to come about, and I've always had a hard time with this word. Osmusely? Uh, you, anyway, you know what I'm talking about. Not posthumously, but through osmosis. It's not going to come to you through osmosis. Maybe that's what the guy meant when he said, these smart people scare me, these smart people. But it's not going to come to you through osmosis. But I guarantee you, it will come to you if you let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly by studying to show yourselves approved unto God. That three-legged stool is not going to function the way God intends on it to function if you are not studying the Word of God. Well, I come to church on Sunday, and that's good. We just love having you here. We love the fellowship. We We love seeing your faces. We love worshiping with you. Again, I wish you could have heard you singing. Had I sung another word, I was going to break out crying just listening to you guys worship and sing. I love that. And that's important for us to come together to worship. But let me tell you what's important, and that is that you keep your nose in the book and you study God's word. To show yourself approved unto him. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. So you know how to handle the word of God. And folks, we need to see what it is that we do here at St. Louis Bible Fellowship as training. 
not just teaching. We need to get away from the concept that we are teaching our people because when you're teaching, that means we're just giving out information. Can you imagine if a soldier is just taught? Well, here's a rifle. And this end, you point that direction. And this end, you put here. And, and they were just given information when they went into battle. But we're soldiers of the cross, right? We're told to endure the hardness as a good soldier. So just getting information is not near enough. We need to be trained when a soldier goes into battle after he has been drilled and drilled and drilled so that his reaction is just second nature. His reaction just comes naturally because of what he has learned in all of those classes and all of that drilling and all of that instruction. It wasn't just being taught. He was being trained. And we need to train one another how to handle the Word of God, how to apply the Word of God. Not just teaching. My role is not just to teach you, but to train you how to handle God's Word so that He is glorified. And we need to be just as serious about equipping the saints of God to understand the bombardment that we are going to face from the enemy as a soldier is. Psalms 119, verse 11. You say, preacher, you talk about this verse all the time. I'm going to keep on too. Thy word have I hid in my heart. Why? That I might impress people that I remember that verse? Is that what that says? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. How incredibly important it is that we know the word of God. Is it verse 51, Tim, of 105? Psalm 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. How many of you believe that? God's word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. You ever been lost in the woods? You ever been out in a country where there are no lights and and it, this, there's no moon, there's no stars, and you've kind of lost your way, and boy, do you wish you had a flashlight. You wish you had something, and you, you're not sure where you're stepping. How you wished you had a flashlight. Well, folks, when you're living your life, and you're in the dark, I'm telling you, there is a torch, there is a light and it is the Word of God. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Believe it. Accept it. Apply it. How important that is. And again, yes, it's my job. It's the elder's job. It's the Holy Spirit's job. But it's also your job to take that responsibility to study God's Word. It amazes me. It amazes me how Christians neglect the study of God's Word.
The next action verb is doing. Doing. We preach salvation by grace through faith and that alone, right? It's not by works of righteousness that we've done, but by His mercy, He saves us. There's absolutely no works that you can perform. There's nothing that you can do to make God satisfied with you. There's nothing you can do to add to God's grace, to add to His mercy. There's nothing you can do to make God say, oh, that's a nice guy. I'm going to save him. There's nothing you can do. There is no work you can do. The only way that God is satisfied with you is through the shed blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, His sacrifice, paying the debt that you owed. It is in His Son that He is satisfied, the perfect Lamb of God. We teach that, we preach that, we believe that. There's absolutely nothing you can do to save yourself or to make yourself any more saved once you've done exactly what God tells you you must do to be saved, and that's believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we don't have people get up and walk down the aisle. That's why there's so many things we don't do because we're afraid people are going to go, oh, well, I got saved because I went down the aisle. Well, I got saved because I was baptized. Or I got saved because I did this or did that. We want you to know you got saved because you believed in the complete and finished work of Christ Jesus. So, okay, make sure that's, that's understandable. But that doesn't mean that we're not created under good works. We're made new creations by God's grace when we do exactly what he tells us to do, and that's to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. But once you are that new creation, folks, we get to work. We were not saved to sit. We were saved to serve. We serve not because we have to. We serve because we want to. We serve the risen Savior not because we think this is going to make him happier with us. He's already as happy as he can ever be with us because of his son. Boy, you see the security in that? You see the glory in that? But you know what that makes me want to do? To serve him. To live for him. To be that ambassador that he's called us to be. Works come after salvation. After you have been made complete in Christ, it should be the desire of every believer to do the work of Christ Jesus. The necessity of doing cannot be overemphasized in our life. Look at Colossians 3. You're already there. We almost had that verse a while ago. had to stop myself. Colossians 3.17. And whatsoever you do... In word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. In all that you do, you do all in His His name. Look at 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. And whether therefore you eat or you drink or whatever you do, you do all to the glory of God. See, that's doing. Your life needs to count for God's glory. He saved you. You're his child. You're a joint heir. Heaven is your home. You stand perfect in Christ. Doesn't that make you want to serve? 
Doesn't that make you want to be thankful that God gives us a part of this work that he's called us to do? Look at 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians 3. Verse 9. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 9. I stand in amazement of this verse every time I come across it. For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's tilled field. You are God's building. But we are laborers together. That preposition is an important preposition because it didn't, doesn't say for we are laborers together for God, with God. He invites us to join with Him in the greatest message, the greatest love story, the greatest offer that the world has ever known, and that's to know Him personally, have a relationship with Him. And He says, you're a laborer together with God. What an outstanding invitation. What an outstanding opportunity. Ephesians 2, uh, uh, 10. Well, 8 and 9, we already know. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. What does verse 10 say? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You're his workmanship. That word is poema. We've talked about this before. But that workmanship basically is masterpiece. You, you need to see yourself the way God sees you as his masterpiece created unto good works. He's created you for a purpose. He's, create, he's made you a new creation in order that in the ages to come you might show the exceeding riches of His grace. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. For the good works that God says for us to be his servants. We're to be those who share with the world the gospel, the good news, to see a difference brought about. The final one is being. How important this one is in the life of a believer. It's important that you know God's word. It's important that you do God's work. But this being is the where you take it personally. And you understand that your relationship with God himself is absolutely important. It's where you emphasize that intimacy with Christ. You emphasize that, that discipline 
when he comes to your prayer time, when he comes time for your devotions. Listen, if you're too busy to pray, you're way too busy. That, that's just the way it is. As a matter of fact, I forgot now who it was that said, if he's, if he's, he's, he's too busy not to take time to pray. And that's how we need to understand that. I, I'm too busy. There's too many burdens. There's too many things to do for me not to take the time to pray. I know where my strength comes from. I know where that inspiration comes from. I know where that desire and that zeal comes from. And I got news for you. It doesn't come from me. It comes from time in God's Word. It comes in time of prayer. When I'm concentrating on being all that God has called me to be as a believer, as I walk with Him, and taking time alone, privately, focused on my relationship with Him and who I am in Christ, trying to understand who or what it means to be a joint heir. Now, let me tell you when is not a good time to do this. And I, I quit doing I remember I used to would, would uh, lie in bed. And think about all God's goodness. And all his blessings during the day. And all that he brought me through. And all the things that he taught me. And I would lay there thinking about God's goodness and about His grace and not able to go to sleep because it just becomes so overwhelming. Now, if that's when you choose to do it, at least you're doing that. But I found that I can't. I lay there and my, uh, my eyes open up and I, uh, you just want to start singing praises. You want to start uh, uh, rejoicing. And all that God has done for you. But folks, you need to find a time during the day where you get alone. And, it's your, it, it, and I'm not going to put, or because God doesn't put a, a, a time limit on it, but where you reflect on all God's goodness and who you are in Christ, that you are His child. And you think about what, who you are in Him, where you were, where He's brought you to. And all that He has planned for you. Where you, you think about your personal relationship with Christ. And I tell you, this is where a lot of pastors really go down the tubes. Really have difficulty. Because they get so involved in ministry. They get so involved in all the details of serving God. That they get away from that intimate time with God and God alone. They start thinking about the congregation. They start thinking about all the needs in the church. And the first thing you know, they're neglecting their own devotional time, their own study time. And they forget about that private time with God. 
what that does is it really causes burnout. And the enemy comes creeping or slithering in. And that well come, becomes dry. And the reserves are depleted and so crash, go, those folks. See, that's why you, you need to demand that your pastor take time. And ask him, did you take time today to reflect on who God is in your life? Did you take time today to make sure you study? Did you take time today to serve God? But more important, have you taken time to just reflect on who God is in your life and how bad you need Him to direct and to guide? You do that for me and I'll do that to you. When you call and say, hey, did you take time for God today? I'm going to say, yeah, I did. Did you? And we'll discuss it. But you've got to understand how important it is for us to have that time with God. See, this is the aspect of a believer's life. This is the time when we crawl up into the Father's lap. And we rest in his lap and we just take comfort in him. And we just let him hold us and cheer us and encourage us and love on us. And that's when that cup flows over. So when the enemy comes against us, he's just, he doesn't stand a chance. He doesn't stand a chance. Ephesians 6.10 says, finally, we're to be strong in the Lord and the power. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. The only way that we can access that power of his might is to have that personal relationship with him, to have that connection with him, to know what his word says, to be active doing his word. But none of these are more important than being, understanding who we are in Christ Jesus. Verse 18 of Ephesians 6, saying that we're praying always. Praying always. Needing to achieve that perfect balance of knowing, doing, and of being. So that God will be glorified in our Christian walk and in our life. Now, this morning, if you're here and you're not a believer, this morning you're saying, I have no idea what he talked about, but I sure had a nice nap. This is where you're missing it. Because what God desires is for you to know him personally and have that personal relationship with him who loves you so much that he invites you to know him he invites you to serve him. He invites you to be his child. Have you ever had such a wonderful invitation in your life? This morning you can settle that important issue if you've never believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he is alive, folks. He is the true God of heaven. He is coming again. What we teach, what we preach is not a lie. 
It's not a fairy tale. It's true. There is a heaven to gain and there is a hell to avoid. And the only way to, to get to heaven and to avoid hell is through the one who offers eternal life to you through his son. Let's believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad of that? That there is a plan of salvation? Aren't you glad this morning there is a, there is a plan that the God who loves you so much has provided? And his invitation to you is to believe. And what you believe is important. What you have faith in is important. You must have faith in his work on Calvary's cross. You must have faith that he rose again. Trusting and what he accomplished saves you to the uttermost and makes you a child of God. Let's bow.